Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. And I am really excited to have the amazing Aaron Golub on the show today. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. (laughs) So for those that don't know Aaron, he is the first, he became the first legally blind athlete to play American football in a Division I game when he was at Tulane University. He was captain in his senior year and also went on to become an NFL free agent. He's never let limited vision get in the way of his success. His grit, determination and effort has enabled him to earn a spot on the Tulane team and the respect of his teammate, coaches and fans. And you've got some phenomenal uh, reviews, Aaron, on your website that I've been uh, reading about your accomplishments and what you've been able to do. So I'm super excited to dive into your story about how you've overcome a typical stigma that may exist in the context of what people believe they're capable of uh, and also um, how you've got yourself to where you are today but before we dive into that I'd love to know what are you passionate about in life right now? Yeah, you know, I think to sum it up in a couple of things, you know, my my biggest goals are to impact others and create a legacy for myself. And, you know, those can go in a lot of different directions and, and I could unpack those a ton. But in the simplest form, it's, it's you know, impact others and, and create a legacy for myself. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I think that's so important. And the, and the legacy thing, I love that because we can so easily get stuck, can't we, in focusing on just ourselves. And what we want to accomplish, but actually, there's a whole world out there that can be influenced and inspired by what we do and how we show up. Um, and I think it's so important that we share our message to the world and uh, and help others, you know, have the ripple effect that's so important, particularly in this day and age when people feel that there is no hope. Um, around they they don't have the opportunities perhaps that they thought they would have or they feel that some blocker is getting in the way of what they're truly capable of so before we dive into that because I'm really really interested to hear your story could you tell me what does optimal brain health mean for you personally in the context of your life's journey so far yeah I think it's it's being to perform at my peak in, in all areas of life. And so be, feeling um, like I'm at that level of performance every day. And so how am I, you know, optimizing everything in my life, whether it be my business, my health, my relationships, um, and being able to perform at a really high level every day. Uh-huh. And has there been a time in your life where you felt that you've not been able to do that? Could you wind back the clock and take us to a time where You've not you've not felt you were able to perform at your best, or where or where your journey started in the context of performance. Yeah, you know, I think there's definitely a handful of times in my life, and and same with everyone else. And and you know, everyone has those days. First off, you know, just you know, I might have a day next week. Who knows? But mm-hmm. I think specific times are you know when I was younger, when I was a kid, when I wasn't you know athletic, when I wasn't confident, when I wasn't the specific uh, person that I am today. And so back then, you know, I wasn't optimal in, in so many areas of my life. Um, I think is probably the first one that comes to mind. Uh-huh. And could you ta- take us back to your journey in 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 the context of your your vision yeah. uh, that, you, that that you have now, and how that evolved, and how your life transpired yeah. um, 
to the point that you became started at, in seventh grade playing American football? Yeah, so you know, I was born legally blind. And for me, what that means is I have no vision at all in my right eye and very limited in my left. Mm-hmm. And grew up like that. Um, you know, growing up, I wasn't very athletic, wasn't very confident, wasn't the biggest or the strongest or, or the fastest person anywhere. You know, tried tons of sports, um, failed at all of them pretty much, was picked last for all of them. And in seventh grade, I started playing football. You know, it was something that I loved watching on TV. I enjoyed the sport. I enjoyed everything about it. And, you know, I wanted to find something that I could really be a part of the team that I could really, you know, have for myself and found football. And I realized in the beginning, you know, I can't be certain positions. I can't be a wide receiver and catch the ball 50 yards downfield. That's not going to happen. And so in the beginning, I was an offensive defensive lineman. And eventually my position changed and we'll get into that later. But, you know, I, I realized at that time, you know, what do I need to do to be able to play? And I, it was about finding the right position for myself. And although I wasn't very athletic, I wasn't very good. I wasn't very big or fast or strong. At that time in my life, it was how do I learn? How do I grow? How do I get better? How do I help my team each and every day? And, you know, most people don't have that mentality, that thought process. They want to jump into something, whether it's a new business, new um, sport, whatever it is and be the best at it. And obviously, you know, I wanted to be really good, but I also knew in the beginning that I had a lot, lot to, long way to go, a lot to learn. I was nowhere near the end result. And so at that time, that's, that's where I was. And, you know, throughout the years, I got better. I switched positions. I found the right, you know, one for me and it, it grew from there, but that's, that's really the back end of the story and how I got started. And how, how did you, uh, did you just join a normal uh, football club? Or did, how, how did you get that impetus to go, do you know what, I'm going to go and do this? Yeah, you know, I joined my school, my middle school team at the time. Um, I was looking, I was really looking for a sport that I could play that I could succeed in. You know, as, as I mentioned, I, I tried so many and nothing really worked out. And so I really wanted to find something that I could be a part of a team at and, and could play well at and not be, you know, terrible. At. And so... I loved watching football. I figured, you know, as an offense and defensive lineman, that might be a position that I could actually play. Um, and so I just tried it. I, I said, let's go out for it. Let's try. Let's see what happens. And, you know, coaches, parents, everyone was concerned, obviously, in the beginning, you know, because the contact sport, because of my vision. Um, but they also knew it was something that was important to me, something that I needed and something that would be really good for me. Uh-huh. So how did you prepare yourself mentally for the fact that you obviously you're going into something that is going to be a lot more challenging than someone who has full full vision because you, you don't know, that, have that opportunity to to react in the way that that other people can. How did you how do you prepare yourself for 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 that for that aspect? Yeah, of sport? you know, at, at that age of you no, know, I don't remember. It's let's say twelve years old. I, I don't think oh. that specifically crossed my mind. I think it was. <laughs> Let's let's go out there and have fun and and learn and get better. And okay. I think that was the focus. You know, over time, obviously that um, changed. But in the very beginning stages, it was okay. Let's do a sport where I can have fun. You know, be a part of a team, learn and, and get better athletically. Uh-huh. And what was the what was the um, real clincher for you in in the context of you finding your niche sport? What yeah? What, what differentiated? Yeah. You from up from the other sports well in the beginning like, like I said I think 
I found those two positions, offense and defensive line, where I said, okay, I can hit the person in front of me, block, and it would be a good um, good position. Now, as I got older, I still wasn't very great. You know, seventh, tenth grade, I was okay, but I was not a starter. I was a third string junior varsity player. I didn't really play a ton, you know, and it was, I was getting frustrated, getting annoyed, getting upset and, and not on the field a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And so I had this goal and I was like, look, I want to play at the highest level possible. I want to play division one. I want to start, I want to do everything that I wanted. And it's like, how can I get there? And I found the position long snapping. And for those listening that don't know what that is, I was the person on punts and field goals who would throw the ball between my legs to the punter, to the holder, and then block the person in front of me, essentially. And I realized if I got good enough at this unique niche position, then there might be an opportunity for me to play at a really high level. And from then on out, it was, what can I do every single day to get a little bit better? It was getting up at 5 a.m. And, and practicing. It was going to school, going to practice with the team, lifting weights every single evening. And my thought process was, if I work 10 times harder than everyone else, I will eventually beat them out despite the limitations that I have. And that's, that's what I focused on. Then I know, and I found the right position for me. Mm-hmm. And how, how did your um, teammates react to this grit and determination that you had in the context of seeking to become the best? Yeah. You know, in the beginning, I think a lot of people thought it was ridiculous in the sense of I wasn't very good. And I, I you know, very vocally said, you know, I wanted to play at this level. I, I wanted to, play this position I wanted to start I wanted to do all these things and so people thought I was crazy because I wasn't even playing at that time really um but I think time over time you know every week every month every year that went by people started to believe it more because I was showing up every day at 5 a.m when no one was there and practicing I was in the weight room every single evening when no one was there and people noticed that people started to notice me getting really good and you know eventually I became one of the top recruits in my position in the nation and, you know, at that time, people realized that this was going to happen and that I was making it happen. But, you know, in the beginning, people thought I was nuts and it was a ridiculous idea. And how, how did you overcome this kind of, you know, pe- people having this preconception as to what, what was possible? Because, you know, we, we often get influenced, don't we, by the people around us and they they decide or we let them decide sometimes people let others decide what they're capable of how did you overcome that that sort of backlash I don't know if that's the right word but that resistance to going beyond the norm um that that people put in your put 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 up as almost a barrier potentially to to what you wanted to achieve yeah you know I think for me, the biggest area there was understanding that, and, and, and this is something that most people aren't very good at, is understanding that others' opinions, other th- others' thoughts, others' judgments of what you're doing don't matter. You know, when you do something because other people believe you should or shouldn't, you're not likely to see long-term success at it. But when you do something because you truly want it, because you truly believe you should do it, because you want to be the best at it, because it's for you, you know, then you'll prosper more you'll continue to fight for it you'll continue to grow you'll continue to put in the time and effort and so that was my opinion my opinion was it doesn't matter what other people think I want Mm -hmm. this goal for myself I want this goal because I want to accomplish it and I was going to fight for it every day and so when I was waking up at five when I was going to the weight room when I was doing all these you know extra things that no one else was I was focusing on myself and why I wanted to do it not about other people's opinions and judgments Mm 
Mm-hmm. Do you know, I love that because I have a saying that the only person's opinion that matters as to whether you can or can't do something is yourself, is your own opinion. Because we can get so easily influenced, can't we, by by what other people are saying or what other people are doing or um, whether people put you in a box or give you a label, slap a label on you. Did you did you ever feel that you were labelled in any way by by the um, society or by by the system, as it were? Yeah. Or- you know, 100%. When I was younger, absolutely. You know, I was labeled as, you know, the legally blind kid or the, I wasn't very athletic and, and different labels and areas. And everyone goes through that. But as I got older and as I got better, I realized that, you know, yeah, I am that. But I'm also going to be, you know, one of the best athletes out here. I'm going to be, you know, uh, one of the best people in the field. You know, eventually it's, you know, I want to be one of the best in business and entrepreneurship and things like that. And I think it's taking those labels and owning them and understanding that, you know, that's a part of you, but that's not the entire part of you. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I, I spoke to someone else who, who has um, diagnosed with ADD and dyslexia and, and they like to think of the, not, it, not it being a label but being a card that you put in your wallet and that you pull it out if you need to but if you don't need to, it stays in your wallet. Is that how you've sort of seen, seen your progression through life in, in the context of overcoming adversity? Uh, to get to where you are today? Um, I don't think I would frame it that way. I think, you know, one of the things I talk about when I speak all all the time at, you know, events is, you know, gratitude and perspective. And so I say, you know, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed that I was born legally blind. And if I could go go back to birth and change it, I wouldn't because without being legally blind, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't have met the people I've met. I wouldn't have the connections I met. I wouldn't be, have made it where I was athletically or in business or as a person. And because of that, I fully embrace it and I'm thankful for it. Now, obviously, if technology comes out that can fix it, 100%, I would take advantage of it now. But my point is I wouldn't change the last 26 years of my life and go back and have full vision because it serves such a purpose to me. So I don't, I don't believe it's a card or, or a small part of me. It's a big part of who I am. And it will always be that way. But And I'm thankful for it. Um, but it's not the, the, the defining, it's not the only thing that defines me, but yeah, I'm a hundred percent thankful for it. And I, and I own it and it's, you know, always there and with me, in my opinion. Do, do you think, I, I want to flip it now then. Do you think that if you weren't born legally blind, that you would have been inspired and driven as much as you are to get what you want? That's a really tough question. Um, at the end of the day, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh-huh. Probably not, honestly, though, because look, I was always the underdog. I was always challenged in a lot of areas and and thought that I couldn't do certain things and always had a chip on my shoulder. And so because of that, I was willing to put in the work and and push myself farther and and harder than anyone else around me. And so I think it played a huge role into the success that I've had in in life and in athletics and and now in business. And, you know, because of that, I'm thankful for it. And so I think it it probably would, my life probably would have been different. Um, But but who knows? Uh-huh. Um, what lit the fire inside your belly to um, to be that driven? Was it the fact you mentioned that it was the fact that you're underdog? Was it the underdog piece? Or was it the fact that you had the chip on your shoulder? Was it no, the, it's, what was it? It's, really yeah, it's, it's because I wanted to see success. You know, everything I do is because I want to see a lot of success. Like, I wanted to play football at a high level because I wanted to do it. I want to today build an incredibly successful business because I want to do it because it's fun for me. 
I think one thing I talk about a lot and, and I think people get messed up on is the difference between internal and external uh, motivation. And, and the difference there is most people focus on external motivators and, and they, yeah. they help significantly in certain areas. Like if I go to the gym and I want to squat 500 pounds and I put a barbell with that weight on my back, I'm going to focus on an external motivator for the next 30 seconds. I'm going to focus on something that gets me pissed off, gets me angry, that gets me upset because I need to move that bar up and down as quickly as possible. And in order to do that, I need to get in the right state of mind. And so I'm going to focus on external motivator. But mm -hmm. if you want to build a very successful company, that's going to take you a decade to do an external motivator is not going to get you there. The only thing that's going to get you to that point is that internal motivator of why do you want to do this? Because you want to do it for yourself because you want to see it succeed. And that's yeah. where most people get caught up. And as they focus on these external uh, areas, these external motivators, and they last for a day or for a week or maybe even a month, but then they fade out and they can't take you six months or a year. And that's why you see in this day and age, people start businesses and they go for two weeks or they go for a month or they go for three months and then they fail or they stop or they quit or whatever. And the people who go six months or more really meaning like people who go five years, 10 years, 20 years, they're focused mm -hmm. on the internal motivators. Mm -hmm. And what would you say your internal motivators are for you? What is the what are the big drivers internally to to if we if we go back in time, what what really drove you internally to get to becoming uh, an NF on the NFL as a yeah. free agent? You know, it's it, it's similar to the same answer I answered to a question. I forgot the question earlier, but mm -hmm. it was you know, because I want to impact others and, and leave a legacy for myself. And like, mm -hmm. I want to truly be known for, you know, what I've created and, and what I've done for, you know, generations to come and do that through helping other people as well. And so when I speak, everything I do when I speak is about how can I add value to others and impact their lives. But at the mm -hmm. same time, I want to create a legacy where it's like, look, when you think of someone like, let's well, just take Tony Robbins or Gary Vee, mm -hmm. 100 years from now, they're going to leave a huge impact and they're going to have a legacy that people are going to remember them for their accomplishments, for what they did for other people, and they're going to be well known. And that's, I want that same brand recognition for myself, not greedily, like not being greedy about it. Like I want to help a shit ton of people along the way, but I want, I want to build a brand for myself that is that well known that I can use it to then help other people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and uh, I think it's just worth mentioning that Gary V uh, has ta taken, you know, 10 years to get to where he is now yeah. in, in the context of his journey to... to oh, yeah. It's, it, you know, it takes time. Like, it, like, it, it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it takes it so much time. Like, I know, I know for a fact that I will eventually be a top 10 speaker in the world. Now, am I right now a top 10 speaker in the world? No, I'm not. Do I think that I am an incredibly elite speaker? Yes. Do I think that in 15 years from now, I will be a top 10 speaker and be on that list with people like Tony Robbins or Ed Milet or Eric Thomas or John Gordon? A hundred percent. But I'm also so self-aware of the fact that like, it's going to take me 10 to 15 years to be a top 10 speaker in the world. And that's a hundred percent fine with me. And so what I do every day is I try and move 0.1% closer to that goal, but knowing that when I'm 36 years old, I will be a top 10 speaker because of the work I put in today. And when you think of it that way, when you think of it in that perspective, you're much more likely to see success. The issue that most people have, I think, within business, within life, within all activities, they're like, I want to be top 10 in the world at this in a year from now. And it's like, yeah. that's just not going to happen. 
Like <laughs> someone like Tony Robbins has 50 years more of experience than I do. I'm not going to be anywhere near his level in a year from now. Can I be close to his level in 10 years? Maybe. And that's why that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say, you know, for you personally, what have been the key steps to for success in the context of um, becoming, you know, getting to the level that you've got to in the NFL? What were, what were the key yeah. steps for success there? I think to keep talking on like some of those incredible entrepreneurs and, and people there, like, I think there's some aspects that I take from everyone. And so like, if you focus on Gary Vee for a second, he focused on patience and, and waiting on, you know, over time and, and focusing on, you know, that 10 year goal, like, like I just talked about, but someone like an Ed Milet focuses on pushing yourself and doing one more and how do you get there right here right now? And I think there's a balance between the two, because I think like the, the big goals, those I understand are going to take 10 years, but at the same time, like, what can I do today to push myself past everyone else? Because I'm a strong believer that in a year from now, I can create a ton of impact, make a ton of money, help tons of people and create, start creating more of a legacy for myself. And so I think it's that balance. And I think that's something that I've used over time is like, I, you need to push yourself harder than everyone else right here, right now, and, and be the best at what you do and strive to be the best right now. But also understand that if you want to be the top in the world, that's going to take 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what would you, you know, for anyone that is listening, um, who wants to become, you know, top in the NFL, what would your advice be to um, those up and coming kids who are in grade seven, for example, yeah. where, where you're at? What would your advice be to them um, yeah. in I terms of moving yeah. the needle? It's whether it's the NFL, whether it's any other sport or industry or, or activity. You know, you could be, want to be the best painter or actor. I, I don't know. It's it's or piano player. It's it's literally just trust the process and don't ever quit. I think are the two biggest areas. Like, trust the process of the roadmap that if you consistently put in time each and every day, that you will eventually get better. And mm-hmm. second is like, don't ever quit. There's going to be tons of challenges, obstacles, adversities that come your way. Like, how are you going to bounce back and respond from them and push yourself harder than everyone else? Because at the end of the day there are a million other people who are practicing football an hour every single day. What are you going to do to separate yourself from those other people? Mm-hmm. And, and for you, it was getting up at five in the morning and pushing weights late at night. Yeah. Did, and and doing you... that on the weekends as well. It was, it was, it was doing what no one else was doing and, and when no one else was around. And, you know, that, that was for me. Now everyone's different and, and every sport and every activity is different, but I found for myself what no one else was doing and, and that's what I just did for years. Uh-huh. And did did there, did you have any like really down days or or days of doubt or a hundred percent. And everyone does. You know, everyone has these days that you don't want to get up or you don't want to push yourself. Or you don't want to go practice. You don't want to work on your business. But you know, if if you want to succeed, you have to fight through that. Like yes, don't get me wrong. Like if you have a day here and there that you don't want to get up or work on your business and you're feeling down or sick or whatever, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. But the issue that most people have is they let that one day compound into two. They let that two days compound into a week. They let that week compound into a month yeah. and that month compound into a year. And then the next thing you know is an entire year has gone by and they haven't moved the needle at all. Uh-huh. And what was your what's been your biggest setback so far that you've really overcome? in the context of, you know, uh, your journey so far, what's been the, the hardest thing to overcome to get to where you want to get to now? I think it's just understanding that you don't know what you don't know. And so 
I think a lot of people have an ego of like, they want to be the best and they want it now. And they, you know, I think that, that I probably had that for a long time and, and I've relied on a lot of other people to teach me what I don't know. I would rather pay someone who is five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road for me to teach me what I don't know than struggle with it because that could speed up the process. You know, I've relied mm -hmm. on, and I have a lot of mentors and, and mm -hmm. people who I've built really strong relationships with who are a lot further down the road than I am. And, you know, following their process to get to where I want to go is, is what I look at. And, uh, you know, I really want to explore this because a lot of people kind of think that they can do it by themselves and that it, you know, it just takes showing up at the gym at five in the morning and then doing the weights uh, in the evening and that's enough. But actually it, it's only a tiny fraction of the picture to, to getting to the level of success that you've got to. What would you say in terms of the connections that you've you've obviously had to go build them because they don't just land on your lap? <laughs> what what's been the what's been the the force that's allowed you to get the connections that that you now have, and who have been the real influences in your life today that have allowed yeah, you to, I, to move up the ladder? I mean, look, the the first thing, the easy and simple one is like if you find someone who's ahead of you where you want to be, pay for their time. Like go, go pay them. Um, that's obviously the obvious one. But even when you do that, you don't necessarily move forward. And so like one person who's helped me a ton in, in business and, and seeing success is, is a, a good friend and entrepreneur and mentor of mine. His name is Jeff Lopes. And we're very close at this point. He's like an older brother to me. Um, I paid him good money in the beginning of our relationship to, you know, basically help me with stuff. I paid him for consulting. I paid him to show me the ropes in certain areas. And, and that developed into like, I was willing to put in so much more time and effort and prove myself more than anyone else he had ever helped that you know, he just became so close with me and he loved working with me. And now, you know, anytime I ever need him, I text him, I call him or, you know, it's not just about business, it's personal it's now too. And we're just really good friends. And I think that the issue that most people have is they look for a mentor where it's like, if, if someone comes to you and asks you to mentor them, like, why, why should you? instead of looking for a mentor, it should be how do you transform yourself into someone who's worth being mentored? And oh, I love that. If, how do if you, you transform yourself into someone who's worth being mentored? Yeah, because like, if you're not willing to put in the time and the effort and you just want someone else to give you all the answers, like that's not what it's about. But mm -hmm. when I go to him, I put in the work, I put in the time, I put in the effort, and then I go to him to get his thoughts and his advice on things and, and other people as well. And because I've developed myself as someone who's worth being mentored by him, he helps me whenever I need it. But if I went to him and was like, hey, I have this issue, you know, how can I fix it? And I waited for him to fix it. And three months went by and nothing changed. Like he probably wouldn't want to help me out. But mm -hmm. the issue, the difference is like, I call with him. He gives me advice. I implement it. I go back to him and say, hey, I did this. Have this issue. This works well, though. What do you suggest? And he keeps helping. Mm -hmm. And could you... Could you just take me back on your journey through the through rising the ranks in the NFL and just share your story in a bit more detail as to what were the key steps were in terms of the changes that happened and how people recognised you to to become um, the the NFL free agent that you are today? What were the sort of key transitions that occurred uh, in yeah. terms of the recognition piece? Yeah. So you know, in in high school. I got really good at long snapping. Like we talked about, I became one of the top recruits in that position in the nation. 
<clears throat> ended up getting an opportunity to play at Tulane and, you know, worked my way through there, played for the first time my sophomore year, becoming the first league league wide doing athletes playing game. And, um, you know, wor- worked my way to become a captain my senior year and then didn't want to be done. I wanted to try and make it to the NFL, try and make it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going really fast here. So you became captain in the year, even though you're legally blind, which is an amazing yeah. accomplishment in its own right, because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people wanted to be captain. What did, what did you do that really um, differentiated you? Because we talked about make yourself a differentiator to everyone else. What was the big differentiator in the context of you becoming captain? Yeah, you know, becoming a captain during my senior year was really about, you know, what I was willing to do for my team and, and help them out. Yes, I was willing to push myself each and every day in practice in the weight room and the classroom and all areas, but it was how can I help others uh-huh. get better? How can I push them every single day on and off the field? And my coaches saw that, and, and that's why I was able to become one of our captains during my senior year. And obviously from then, did you use that as a lever to get how, – how did that then – work for you in your favor to to get to the next level yeah so you know i've had goals and, and ambitions of playing the nfl and so i did what's called my pro day essentially which is a tryout in front of a bunch of teams and you know mm-hmm. did that and continued talking with teams and, and tried out there and and talked to some teams um and it went really well and you know eventually you know decided that you know i i as much as I wanted to really play in the NFL and, and make a career out of that, I had other goals and other ambitions as well. And, and, you know, the opportunities in the NFL weren't that long lasting, weren't, mm-hmm. you know, they're pretty scarce in my position specifically. And so I made a pivot into entrepreneurship into business and, and away from it. And, you know, I thankful I did it when I did, but um, that, that was kind of my journey into, you know, how can I, make an NFL team how can I do that but then after it was you know how can I pivot and and do other things that I love and and want to build and and tell me about your pivot what was your what was your um drive because you could you could have chosen to do anything in in life ultimately because you know that Mm -hmm. you could do anything if you put your mind to it you can accomplish anything what was your driver to to transition into becoming an entrepreneur yeah, you know, out of college, I went to the finance industry um, and started, I was at a wealth management firm building my own financial advising business. And uh-huh. I, at the same time, soon after, I, I started building a speaking business for myself uh-huh. and, and realized that, you know, working in finance wasn't something I wanted for myself long term. Um, there were aspects of it I liked, but a lot of aspects that I didn't. And uh-huh. so grew my speaking business alongside of that eventually got to the point where I wanted to focus on, on other things outside of finance and, and left that field to continue to grow my speaking business and then get involved in other areas of entrepreneurship. And, you know, my number one thing right now is speaking. I have, I have other stuff on the horizon kind uh-huh. of on the back burner that will come to fruition very soon. But, you know, speaking has been um, something amazing for me, being able to build a business out of that, being able to help and impact others, and you know, create a life for myself through entrepreneurship. So I'd love to transition now before we dive into post NFL and into the entrepreneurship lane. Um, I want to dive into the fun facts for just a quick a quick moment. So fun facts, we're looking at the five pillars of brain health, which you've touched upon in the com- topic of conversation. I think we'll touch upon in the, in the next half of, of the show is 
um, F is for feelings, A is for actions, C is our connections to ourselves and to others, T is the thoughts that we have and what thoughts we're really listening to, and S is our surroundings. So diving into actions, what is the most rewarding or fulfilling thing you've ever done? Yeah, I mean, I think for me it was <clears throat> playing for the first time in college. You know, be, that day I played and, and became the first legally blind D1 athlete is, was a huge accomplishment and something amazing for me. And, you know, I was able to use it to help and inspire others. And so that was probably, you know, if not the top, then definitely up there. And what did you do to celebrate your accomplishments? You know, I mean, obviously being in college, it was, you know, A, go out, have fun with friends and, and you know, <laughs> celebrate it. But but B, it was, you know, focus on the next step. How do I get better? How do I continue uh -huh. to play? How do I continue to push myself and my teammates so we can succeed? Uh-huh. And uh, connection to yourself, what's your most important value that guides you in life? Yeah, I think the, the, the most important is, you know, obviously I hate to keep going back to it, but it's 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 how can I impact others and create a legacy and, and everything that I do is surrounded around that is surrounded around impact and legacy and, and focused on you know is the business I'm starting is the talk I'm giving is the um connection I'm building going to a impact the other person or impact people and b work towards leaving a legacy of helping mm -hmm. others and and building my brand and if so then pursuing it and how I'm really curious about this because you know often uh, Steve Covey says, begin with the end in mind. How do you want people to remember you in the context of your legacy? What do you want people to remember most about you? You know, I think that just the impact that I had, I think, is the biggest area, you know, uh -huh. uh, that I was able to help so many people and, and you know, change tons of lives. You know, I hate to uh -huh. take, steal this from, from Gary Vee, but, you know, one thing that he says, and I love is like, I want every single person I've ever connected with to be at my funeral. You know, one day I want my funeral to have 100,000 people there because they, I had such impact on their lives. <laughs> Do you know, it, it reminds me of my dad. So my dad was a very influential person, but we maybe didn't really quite realize it. And his funeral was packed with people in the church. And I just thought to myself, I'm not sure that many people would show up to my funeral based on what I was doing at the time. And I and I think it's a really great testament to how impactful people can be when when people show up who you who would never, you know, you don't realise what a ripple effect you make when you have people showing up from far and wide to, to come to a funeral that you're not even there to to see. Yeah. <laughs> to see to see the impact you'd have. So what is it that you're doing now in, t in the context of entrepreneurship that is allowing you to uh, really leave that legacy? What's your big yeah. focus? Yeah, so, you know, I have a handful of things that will come out within the next few months or, or year. But my biggest thing right now is, you know, I, I do speaking workshops and consulting with companies on uh -huh. you know, the topics that I focus on. So whether it's a one-time keynote or, you know, a day-long workshop or, or, or a longer-term consulting agreement, it's working with the companies to, you know, speak on overcoming adversity or leadership development or, or the different topics that, you know, I, I really focus on and dive into. Uh -huh. and, and what for you has really defined the overcoming adversity? What's been the what's been the key points in terms of how you've overcome adversity in the context of your journey? 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's the biggest one I'd say is focusing on that perspective uh, area, and it's you know, if you can shift your perspective and focus on gratitude, then you're able to overcome anything and, and change people's opinions and, and minds. Because if you, you know, have that gratitude like I have of I'm thankful for being legally blind, and you're thankful for the disadvantage you have, and you can find that silver lining, then it shifts your perspective and it shifts shifts everything to allow you to overcome that adversity. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been a time where you've not been like grateful? You've been the complete opposite. I mean, not in the didn't you know near term at all. Of course, when I was younger and, and a kid, but you know, it's not not any time recent. Uh huh. Because I'm really curious about this because a lot of people don't think that gratitude is an important factor in terms of overcoming adversity and keep keeping themselves going. And I, and I, and I say this just, you know, reflecting back to my, my dad passing away to help my mum overcome the grief that she was going through at the time. And obviously I was going through it myself, but my mum was in a much deeper, darker place is we had to focus on gratitude. What were we grateful for every day that we that we we were together in those first days is to be grateful for the fact that we could wake up in the morning the fact that uh that we've got a roof over our heads you know just the simplest things um became super important to keep that motivation going can you give any examples from yourself how reflecting on gratitude has really has really shifted the needle for you in the context of some of your experiences? I mean, just, just in all areas, you know, when you focus on gratitude, you're able to focus on, you know, why something is, is good in your life. And and for me, it's focusing on, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm legally blind and I see the positive in it. I see the benefits. I see the value mm-hmm. because it's, it's led me to be who I am today. And, and I see that in all areas of my life. And, you know, I see it in so many other people as well, you know, one, friend and, and mentor of mine is uh david Meltzer, and he talks about the the, the area of gratitude a lot as well because he mm-hmm. you know built a business and built his net worth to a hundred million dollars when he was young mm-hmm. and lost all of that money and he said it was you know it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to him because it changed him as a person losing it and then he was able to build his life and business back up but by doing it in the right way in a different way and, and by having a different perspective and better relationships and so sometimes you need you know, that hardship, that adversity to truly change your life. And when you can see why it's working for you, then, you know, it's, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what were the hardest, you know, pieces of adversity that you've had to overcome um, in the, con- you know, obviously you're legally blind and you've had to overcome that, which is a key one, but have, have there been any other aspects of your journey that, you know, it's been a real, a really tough, uh, hurdle and, uh, along the road and you've had to really dig deep um, to, to, to overcome it? You know, being legally blind is definitely the number one. I, I mean, outside of that, it's, you know, obviously so many people didn't think that I could do and, and accomplish the things, the things that I have. And so, mm-hmm. you know, overcoming those opinions and judgments, but, mm-hmm. you know, also just certain tasks and, and things are taking me longer or harder for me because of my vision. And so mm-hmm. learning them in, in the right way for me Mm-hmm. um is is always important mm-hmm. i'd love to dive it because i know this is all about um adopting the right mindset but i really want to explore how you've overcome 
other people's opinions and judgments because we can easily absorb other people's perspectives. And I know we talked about this at the beginning, um, or we can create a, a really positive barrier that that says that, right, your opinion is your opinion and you're entitled to it, but it doesn't mean it has to be my own. How have you been able to put up that barrier for yourself to to rebuff or, or protect yourself um, from, from society, you know, society's perceptions of what, what is possible? What's been the biggest thing for you internally yeah. or externally? It's just realizing that other people's opinions don't matter. Like, I genuinely don't care what anyone thinks of me. <laughs> it's, that's, it's, it's as simple as that. Like, I, if I'm willing to take advice from you, then I'm willing to take criticism from you. The issue that most people have is they take criticism from people that, um, you know, they wouldn't take advice from. And that's what gets them down. You know, if, if, if someone's saying something negative or, or, or thinking poorly of you or whatever, like genuinely, why do you care? Like something must be going wrong in their life to make them want to have those thoughts and feelings and express those emotions on you. Like I feel bad for those people. It's, yeah. it's mostly about, you know, if I'm willing to take advice from someone, then I'll take criticism from them. If I'm not, then like I genuinely don't care. Yeah. Do you know, I just want to replay that because I think that's such a powerful statement that people take criticism from someone that they wouldn't take advice from. That's so true, isn't it? You can, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You can see so many people who get completely and utterly wound up by someone's negative opinion that they wouldn't ask their positive opinion from it by any stretch of the imagination and it can be all consuming can't it so uh so i'd love to explore in the context of um your on entrepreneurship what's next for you uh after, from a speaking i know you said you've got some things that are going on um in the background what where do you where do you see yourself uh, going forward uh, yeah. in terms of developing? I mean, right now it's, you know, focused on growing my speaking and my workshops and my consulting work, you know, just uh -huh. working with more companies and, and more people to help, you know, create more impact, whether it's going to just a, a conference or event or, or longer term partnerships with companies or universities or sports teams to, you know, help them and, and, and do the things that I've done for myself with, with them through speaking engagements and, you know, workshops and diving through into these issues and, and, topics to help them improve uh -huh. and what would your top three tips be for anybody who's been labeled um as as having a disability and they really want to get to that next level i really want to get rid of that label and not not be put in a box what would your piece of advice be to anybody who is is struggling with with that yeah i think they'd be and and these are somewhat points that we've you know touched on are are you know uh don't don't care about those people's opinions, focus on gratitude and, you know, just push yourself and, and work harder than anyone else around you. Mm -hmm. Push yourself. And Aaron, um, how can people get hold of you to find out more about what you do to get you for speaking engagements and to learn about yeah. how you've really overcome adversity and, and your, your full story? Yeah. You know, the easiest ways are on my website, AaronGalb.com or my email, Aaron at AaronGalb.com. Okay, so make sure you check Aaron out there and to find out more about what he's done to overcome adversity, how you can get hold of him in the context of speaking engagements, whether you're an organisation 
um, or, or um, a business. Aaron, it's been such a pleasure talking to you about your story and how you truly have overcome adversity and beaten the odds and achieved something that many people uh, don't feel they're capable of, whatever their circumstance, ability or otherwise. So thank you so much um, for sharing your story. Of course.